in the last in last April, a boy, a young man in Jerusalem, walked on the street, and he crossed the street in a place that you're not allowed to cross. What does this mean? In Israel, it's called a red light. They don't walk light. Then in Israel, if you're caught by a policeman crossing the street in a don't walk light, you get a ticket. This young man crossed the street, you know, like everybody else is doing. And a poli- to his bad luck, a policeman was there, came over to him, like running to him. Then he saw another policeman running fast. He saw two policemen running after him. He got scared and he started to run away. That was his biggest mistake. He was caught, arrested, and three months later he was going to court. The prosecutor was there. You were, you were disturbing a policeman in the state of Israel doing his work. That was the accusation. That, that was easy. They took him to court for. He came to court with his friend. He was looking for a lawyer. You know, in the, in the old ways of the courthouses, there is lawyers who are waiting sometimes for somebody who needs their, their services. He finds a lawyer. He tells them, it's 450 shekels for me to represent you. He says, hey, that boy does not have 450 shekels. He's a, he's a, one, he's a one from seven children. He was in and out of a few schools. He never went to the army. He tried finally to put his life together. He found a job in a pizza shop. He tried to become, to become a man, productive, and this fell on him. He decided he's representing himself. He goes into the courtroom, he gets understand. The, the judge, female judge, turns to him and asks him, no? He says, yeah, I admit, I run away from the, from the policeman. I don't even know why. I don't have any, any criminal records. I never did anything wrong. I got scared. I didn't think. Okay, if you admit, the prosecutor demanded they should give him one month probation and 400 shekel fine, a fine of 400 shekel. The, the judge agrees. They print out the ruling. They're about to give it to him. The judge looks at him. She says, you, you, you there, come back, come back, come back. I'm not comfortable with the ruling. She turns to the prosecutor. She tells him, there's all this caution. Then she turns to him, she tells him, she puts him back on the stand, she tells him, that you know what it means for you to become, to be found guilty and having a criminal record? Do you understand that half of the jobs in your life you will not be able to do because you have a criminal record? You want to go to study something? You want to go to college or something? He said, yes. What do you want to be? He says, a reporter. She tells him, you know that a reporter, you cannot be a reporter with this record. You take him in the record. But he's standing like this. He doesn't, what, what, what is Igor supposed to say? Sure he doesn't want to have a criminal record. She turns to the prosecutor and says, you will change your, your demand, your uh, accusation, not for trying to, for uh, obstructing, for not allowing a, a policeman to do his work, but for bad behavior in, public, in the public domain. And he will promise that he will not do it again, and he will not be uh, found guilty, and we are going to send him without, with a clean record. Not only this, which he turns to him, you will not going to get any fine, and you have to promise me that for one year you will not do this, you will not behave like this again in, 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 the public, in public place. He says, I'm ready to 
promise you for a lifetime, not just for, a, not just for one month, not just for one year. And she printed out the new ruling. She gives them the old ruling. She tells them, you can make, you can make that paper uh, planes if you want. And he's leaving the courtroom. He turned to his friend and says, she saved my life. If it would be the other way, it would be a criminal record and it would be a hunting game and so on and on. Then the reporter who writes the story says, here we learn that once in a blue moon, a judge can stop and think, why should I go against them if I can, say, if I, if I can help a young man to build up his life? She told them before he left, I don't want to see you in the courtroom ever and go learn something productive. <laughs> kind of... Not necessarily being a reporter. Parshat Mishpatim is the parsha. Mishpatim comes from the word judgment. And it's about judgments and judges. That comes, this parsha comes right after the Ten Commandments, right after Mount Sinai. And it's a strange thing. Mount Sinai speaks about the Ten Commandments. It was an unbelievable experience with God. God himself revealed himself. And Mishpatim is about laws between men and men laws between about theft and, uh, and injury and everything that's the, more, the most annoying laws, if you want. And here you had such a spiritual experience and you're dealing with these kind of things. Then the, the, the Talmud says, yes, a person has to remember that receiving, standing on Mount Sinai is nice. Being inspired is beautiful. But the, the goal is to take Mount Sinai to the day-to-day life, to be honest. To be, to be just, to be a mensch to others. In, in, in the laws between men and men, how you behave on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, that's what counts if Mount Sinai had a real exp- a effect on you or not. But between the laws of Mount Sinai, between the Mount Sinai story and the laws about Mishpatim, about men to men, the regular laws, in between there is three lines or four lines. A law about building an altar, God says how you should be the altar. The altar should be with the earth. But then the last line of Parshat Itro, the Parsha of the Ten Commandments, is you should not go up with steps on the altar. You can go up with steps anywhere else in the temple. The temple was full of steps, actually. Eleven steps and seven steps and then 13 steps. It's a whole thing of steps. was not so handicapped friendly, I can tell you that. Even the, the menorah at three steps. The menorah was this tall. It was not tall. The menorah was um, three amot, I mean, five feet tall. I don't remember exactly, but not tall. And there were three steps to the menorah. But to the, to the altar, it was a ramp. You're not allowed to have steps. And the ramp was very, very steep, very sharp. Why not steps? That one of the commentaries say, because... When you go up to God, don't rush, rush up the steps. You have to go slowly, step by step. You have to go. It takes time. to. You have to think before you go up to God. You go up to the altar to atone for your sins, to, to look for atonement. You have to go step by step. That's the explanation why, 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 why we cannot use steps to the altar. But the real question is, why the laws about the altar are between Mount Sinai and Ishpatim. Really, the place for these laws, for the altar, is in Parshat Tumah. 
the parsha that comes after mishpatim. That makes sense. You write there about the menorah and about the, the, the ark and about the, temp, the old sanctuary and about the table. You write about the altar too. But why is sticking here a few lines about the altar? Then there is in the Talmud, Talmud Sanhedrin 7.2, 7b, I'm sorry. He says there, Bar Kapara said something very interesting. There is a law in Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Father. The first law in ethics of our father, you know, ethics of our fathers are basically ethical laws. How to be a mensch, if, you, if you're talking about being a mensch. The first law in ethics of our fathers is, metunim badim. Be deliberate in your judgment. Don't rush to judge. The, laws, the direction, the law is to judges. Be careful. Don't rush to judge. What does this mean? If you have a judgment comes to you and you say, oh, this story I had, every day I have this. There's, there's the rules, goodbye. Even if you do it 10 times a day, think it twice, think, take your time, go through everything, every detail. Maimonides says, the commentary says, not only be the, the longer time you take for the judgment, you might discover things you didn't know. And you might, the story could turn around to be a whole different story. It's true not only about judgment, about the judges. It's even about a doctor who treats a patient. The more information he knows, the better he will make a decision. Then Bar Kapara says, where is the root? What is the source that the rabbis came up with this law, be deliberate in your judgment? From this few lines about, from this law that it's written between, before Mishpatim, to go out, up to the altar, not with steps, but an aram. Just as we go up to the altar, step by step, slow, so to speak. So the same thing is about Mishpatim. When the judge is sitting by a judgment case, he's sitting in court, and the court is like an altar of God. God is present in the court. When he's there, you should also not rush to judge. You should take your time. And the Talmud says, and the Rebbe's added another point. And the law is not the direction. The message is not only for judges. The message is for every one of us. In the court of public opinion, we are very fast to judge people. Every political thing that happens, he has to retire. He has to resign. Every little thing, he has to resign. Everyone is smirked the wrong way. He should be not, not be accepted in any college. Every hour there is another blow up on news and everybody is right there quick to fire him, to judge him, to kill him, to destroy him. Let's not be so fast in judging people. Think it to find out the details, what happened, see the circumstances. And the same thing when we look at the Jewish people, oh, people are not, they don't care for Judaism. Think about which generation they live. How many temptations there are. How challenging is it, is it to be a spiritual person or to be a, to be a religious person? And you see, still, you see people still do mitzvahs. That's a reason to judge them favorably, not to judge them not favorably. And God is measure for measure. When we judge people favorably, God will judge us favorably.